Greetings once again. Praise God. Well, would you believe this is Love Walk number 16. As I begin uh, this morning, I want to remind you of a scripture that we, we speak of so very, very often. And that's Romans 2.4 again, where it says, Are you shamefully ignorant of the fact that it's the goodness of God that's intended to lead us to repentance? It's the revelation of God's goodness, the revelation of his kindness, that actually heaven has ordained to bring us to the place where we find change so much easier, where we're able to actually find ourselves being much more easily molded towards the image of Christ. Hallelujah. And the Greek word, that I just wanted to read this, the Greek word for goodness is this word krestos. It's spelled C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. And that literally means fit. It says it means it signifies fit to be used, fit for use, ready able to be used. Goodness. Don't underestimate the goodness. And it's amazing when you really see that out. He's saying, don't underestimate how ready God is to be used by you. Not used like we think in the English, but, you know, to partner with you. Don't underestimate how desperate he wants to work alongside of you. This is his goodness. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. And it again, it's that goodness, when you really wake up to it, that makes again change so more, so much more easier in our own lives. Amen. I wanted to, then the other thing I wrote down when I was thinking about this, the Lord said to me, he said, think about this. If you don't learn to yield to his goodness, you'll inevitably have to yield to the consequences of not yielding to his goodness. You hear that? In other words, there's a choice. One or the other will ultimately cause you to yield, though, one or the other. So this is why, you know, he so longs for us to wake up to this. Yield to the love of God. Because if you don't yield to living according to the pattern of God's love for mankind, you will miss it. You will err in some area. And then there will be consequences that are not those that God desires for your life. So praise God to me, that just trumpets so very loud. I want to yield to the love of God first. I don't want to have to learn by the consequences of wrong actions. Amen. Okay, now we're just going to go right back to the epistles again. And some of this is about attitude um, more than anything else. But I'm going to start reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 4 all the way through verse 10. 1 Thessalonians, Amplified. Oh, brethren... Beloved by God, we recognize and know that he has selected and chosen you. You know, to, we've been chosen by God. That, that enthralls me. It really does. I've been chosen by God. You, God, again, knowing everything about you, all of our shortcomings, nevertheless, in his love, he has chosen you as his own son or daughter. Praise God. Brethren, beloved, beloved of God, we recognize and know that he has selected and chosen you. For our preaching of the glad tidings of the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in its own inherent power and in the Holy Spirit, and with great conviction, absolute certainty in our part. You know what kind of men we proved ourselves to be among you for your good. And you set yourselves to become imitators of us and through us of the Lord himself, for you wel welcomed our message in spite of much persecution with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Um, even that again, we all know Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye therefore imitators of God and walk in love. What an amazing privilege, what an amazing responsibility to think that people would want to imitate you. They look at your life, they see how you respond, they see how you react, and they go, I want to imitate that. That's what I want to be like. Amazing. Think about that. And this is what Paul is saying here. He said, so that you became a pattern. Let me read back again. For you welcomed our message in spite of much persecution with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that you thus became a pattern to all the believers, those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on Christ Jesus in Macedonia and Achaia, most of Greece. For not only has the word concerning and from the Lord resounded forth from you unmistakably in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere the report has gone forth of your faith in God, of your leaning, of your whole personality on him in complete trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness, absolute trust in his goodness. So we find that we never need to tell people anything further about it, for they themselves volunteer testimony concerning us, telling what an entrance we had among you and how you turned from God from your idols to serve a God who is alive and true and genuine, and how you look forward to and how you're awaiting the coming of his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus. Now listen to this last verse I want to read. Because again, to me, this just wraps up the love of God in a wonderful way. And you're looking forward to and awaiting the coming of his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, listen, who personally rescues and delivers us out of and from the wrath that's bringing punishment, which is coming upon the impenitent. And he draws us to himself, investing us with all the privileges and the rewards of the new life, the new life in Christ the Messiah. Isn't that, to me, that's beautiful. Think about that. But above all, this is what Jesus has done. This is how much he loved us. And this is what he wants us to be a pattern of. Think about this. See, we need to be like that. We want to be a people who similarly, as it were, personally rescue and deliver people out of their, out of their issues, out of their horrible situations. And we can do that if we walk in the same armor that Jesus walked in, the armor of light, the armor of love. He personally rescued and delivered us out of and from the wrath. It's, that is going to come upon the impenitent, the people who will not repent. And he draws us to himself because that love draws again. And this is what we want in your spirit as well. That's what will draw people to want to be near you. They'll want, there's, you want to be near love. Every human being wants to be closer to love, to acceptance. When they feel that acceptance from you, when they feel that something where you're not looking down your nose at them, where you're actually so, so well, again, just so acceptant of them. Again, you may see flaws here and flaws there, and all manner of issues, but something is bigger. Something that is bigger is at work in your spirit. And they sense that. They do not feel rejection. They do not feel, you know, a, a haughty spirit. They sense an absolute, sincere desire to help, to bless, to heal, to bring freedom. And that's what we're all about. Hallelujah. So I wanted to read that. Now we jump to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Just one little issue here. But I want you to see again, it's through every epistle. 
Second Thessalonians 3, 5 says, May the Lord direct your hearts, direct your hearts into realizing and knowing the love of God. Now, the only reason I want to read that is because the Greek word kataethuno means to make straight with intensiveness. In other words, he said, this issue about directing your hearts into the love of God is something that's intense. This is something that we're really after. We are intently wanting to direct your hearts into following this love. That's, again, the 1 Corinthians 14. That's the great quest. Hallelujah. Then, again, this is going to be quick this morning. Hallelujah. So some of you will rejoice. 1 Timothy. Jump to 1 Timothy chapter 1, 5 through 7. Verse 5 says this. Whereas the object, the object and the purpose of our instruction and charge is love. It, it just catch that. See, again, don't read over it too quickly. Paul is saying, and in fact, he's saying our entire focus, the Greek there says entire focus, the, our entire focus is on getting this to you, the object and the sole purpose of our instruction and charge is God's love. Isn't that what to be then? Shouldn't that be our sole purpose? Our sole, our sole, our sole desire to teaching you the things about Christ? We want to get you to this love. Hallelujah. Which, But then it goes on to say, let me read the whole bit. Whereas the object and purpose of our instruction and charge is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good clear conscience and sincere, <clears throat> excuse me, sincere, unfeigned faith. But he says then, but certain individuals, they've missed the mark on this very matter. What matter? The purpose of love. And see, and sadly, this is where most people miss the mark. Again, it's not that we don't teach the rest of Scripture. My goodness, of course, we teach on healing. We teach on provision. We teach on peace. We teach on deliverance. We teach on hospitality. We teach on all these things. But the object and the purpose, the major focus, is still the love of God. And let me read it again. He said, but certain individuals have missed the mark on this very matter, and look what happened to those who miss the needed focus of the love of God in their life. But certain individuals have missed the mark on this very matter and have wandered away into vain arguments and discussions and purposeless talk. Talk with no purpose. They are ambitious. Let's see, that's wrong right there. Motivated is one thing. Ambition is something else. You have to be very careful that you elevate or that you relegate the two to where they really belong. It says they're ambitious to be doctors of the law, teachers of the mosaic ritual, but they have no understanding either of the words and the terms they use or of the, uh, the subjects about which they make such dogmatic assertions. Now, trust me, in my years of ministry and people that we've known and I've ministered with over the years, you know, it's, it's again, you sit around the table with several speakers, several ministers, and it just becomes very quickly evident when some ministers, their greatest desire is for what they believe to be recognized far more than just, again, you know, they, they push it and they push it. And they push it about how revelatory this is that they are, they're spouting off about. And the thing is, they don't realize they get into, again, like it says, they get into vain discussions. 
talk with no real purpose, because if it doesn't produce the life of God, if it doesn't produce the power, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, then it's just a bunch of information. And we're not after information, we're after revelation that we can walk in on a daily basis that helps people get closer to Christ, because he's the answer and he'll always be the answer. So be aware that Paul is so strong, the language of the object, the purpose, the focus of our charge is love. And again, without sounding pompous, I don't know, but like I've said over and over again, this is why I, I, for me, I mean, I, this has to be the, the focus. I just love, I want to teach on this more than anything else there is. The length, the height, the depth, the width of the love of God, that you might know the length, the height, the depth, and the width of the love of God, that you might become a person wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Well, if that isn't a, a, a wonderful thing to have in your future and to consider and to really strive for, I don't know what is. Praise God. So again, have that in your spirit. Jump to 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> and again, this is a, more like I said earlier, this is just about the attitude we need to carry. Because attitude is all important. Because people can sense a bad attitude in a moment. As soon as you walk into the room, you can tell somebody that has a conciliatory, you know, they have a conciliation in their spirit. They just want to help and build and, and create space for people to grow as opposed to always putting attention on themselves and always trying to draw attention to themselves. Now, 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 5, Paul says, Let all who are under the yoke, in other words, you're submitted to somebody else. Let all who are under the yoke as bondservants esteem their own personal masters, your bosses or whosoever is you know, you know, in a position that's higher than yours. Let them esteem these people worthy of honor and fullest respect so that the name of God and the teaching about him may not be brought into disrepute and blaspheme. Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful or scornful to them on the grounds that they are brothers in Christ. And then it says this, excuse me, rather they should serve them all the better because those who benefit by their kindly service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these duties. That's why I urge us. I urge you. I urge myself. You know, I'm going to, I want to carry this good spirit. I want to carry the spirit of Christ. Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. Um, God, just hallelujah, let me keep going. But if anyone teaches otherwise, if anyone teaches, you know what, you need to exercise your authority in this case. Now, I know, I know, I know. Of course, there are areas where you need to lead when God calls you to lead. I'm not saying that. But hopefully you'll catch. Paul is talking about an attitude, something that's in somebody's spirit that has a negativity to it. But if anyone teaches otherwise and does not assent to the sound and wholesome messages of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah, and the teaching which is in agreement with his godliness, love, piety toward God, he is, and stupefied with conceit, although he is woefully ignorant. Now, now in this next phrase, this is something, again, I just want us to watch out for. 
because we know people like this, and maybe we have been people like this at some time in the past. They have a morbid fondness for controversy, or excuse me, controversy, as you say over here, but I still say controversy. But think about this, a morbid fondness for controversy. Ever known anybody like that? I sure have. They just love to get into some discussion about something that really has no end to it, just takes up space and time and energy. They have a morbid fondness for controversy and disputes and strife about words, which result and produce envy, jealousy, quarrels and dissension, abuse, insults and slander and base suspicions, and protracted wrangling and wearing discussion and perpetual friction among men who are corrupted in mind and bereft of the bigger truth. It says bereft of truth, but it speaks the bigger truth. Bereft of the bigger truth. I'm not to argue with you. We can discuss things, but we can discuss them agreeably. We can discuss them with a good spirit. We can discuss them with not trying to have a superior attitude. We can discuss them without our motivation being, I'm going to win this argument. It's not about winning. It's about conversation. It's about learning about things from seeing how other people see things from different vantages. That's how we all learn. Like one man said, if you've got one guy with 20 years of experience in one area and another guy with 20 years of experience in another guy, another guy 20 years experience in this way, another guy 20 years of experience this way, if you work together, you've got 80 years of experience in 20 years of time because you've learned how to listen to other people. You learn a whole lot, and I know you know that, but you learn so much more by listening than you do by talking. Hallelujah. But listen to what he says again. They have protracted wrangling and wearing discussion, perpetual friction among men who are corrupted in mind and bereft of the truth, who imagine, this is most, this is tripping, who imagine that godliness or righteousness is a source of profit, a money-making business, a means of livelihood from such withdrawal, from such get away from, get away from. If you can see that they're more or less competitive and if they're basically manipulative, they're trying to manipulate situations to where, as it were, they have the platform so they can do what they do. So again, they can draw attention to them. We're called to draw attention to Jesus. That's the full scope of our Christian experience. We are to draw attention to Jesus. And this is why, you know, to, to bring glory to means to draw attention to. And this is those, one of the things you always have to have in your spirit when you think about what you're doing. Is this drawing attention to Jesus or is it actually kind of drawing more attention to me? How you word things can be so significant because of tender hearts and how they hear. I wrote down this. I said, we are to carry that which motivates people towards God, not, manipul not manipulates people towards their own goals or interests. I'm going to say that again. We're to carry that, the love of God, which motivates people toward God, not manipulates people toward our own goals or interests. And again, you say you don't do that, but sometimes we can be very slightly persuasive of wanting somebody to get over to our side. And again, like I said, you may be absolutely right, and people may need to be where you're at. But again, it's how we communicate. 
It's how we share. The Spirit of Christ lives in us. He is love. The final thing I wanted to say is this this morning. Do your best to understand and comprehend this. This kind of love, not the world's kind, but the God kind of love we're talking about. Now really catch this. Again, it's a very simple statement. Please don't miss this. Miss it. This kind of love is the power of God. God is love. God is this. So God is love. Therefore, this love is powerful. It is his power. His power and manifestation is the outflowing of his love. And it says that his love, again, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have this capacity within us. Hallelujah. This is not a light matter. We're speaking of that which brought forth all creation. Love, God, brought forth all creation. Did you hear me? Love brought forth creation. The heavens and the earth and everything upon them. Love brought forth creation. So I just wrote this. We too will find ourselves with much more creativity in our own being as we mature in his form of love. Surely we'd like that. Surely we'd like that. The more of his love I walk in, the more apt I am to have a creative experience, to have a creative flow in my life. I'll think better. I'll speak better. I'll live better. It all gets better. The more you make this love your great quest in life. So please think on these things. Meditate upon them. Give yourself to them. It'll set you free. Father, I bless our people in the holy name of Jesus. May they walk secure in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen.